Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bros Pod is, of course, brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, baseball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey everybody, welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. I'm Bill Roden, uh, here in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. I'm wishing that you guys are staying warm back in the city. Uh, Jamal, the great Jamal Murphy, you're in Brooklyn. What's going on in Brooklyn, man? Is it, uh, is it snowy? Not, not snowy at the moment. It's supposed to be very, very, very cold tomorrow, I think in the teens, so uh, you, you know. You're not missing too much. Congratulations for being on the West Coast and getting away from this. Well, uh, except I got to come back tomorrow. Oh, you're coming back tomorrow? Unbelievable. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Well, you know, uh, wear, wear a heavy jacket on the plane. That's all I, I got to say. I don't know. It's unbelievable. Joining us uh, in Manhattan, undisclosed location, the great Steve Wilson. Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, Bill. Jay Murph. Happy New Year to you. Good to be with you guys again. And, um, yeah, just trying to hold it down here, man, trying to stay safe through this wave. And, uh, you know, the, as you guys mentioned, the hawk is on the way. So, uh, <laughs> I know. you know, yeah, get your long johns out. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'll see if I can squeeze a couple more days or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds like a plan right there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, so, Steve, you guys, what's – we always talk about this whenever you're on. Uh, what's the state of, of uh, live performance? I think the last time I saw you, I don't know if I told the people, I saw you at the spot in Nyack, uh, I guess right. maybe two months ago. Right. Martha's, yeah. is that it? Martha's? Uh, yeah. And uh, of course, that we were on an upswing uh, at that point. But, uh, but since uh, Omicron has hit, we're kind of doing a slight reset. Um, uh, a few of the venues have, have shut shut down again, like the Village Vanguard. Mm. And um, I was supposed to have been on a, a concert this weekend, actually, tonight, uh, a Chick Corea tribute concert at Jazz Lincoln Center, but they've postponed that. And then, of course, I mentioned the Jazz Cruise. Uh, we're supposed to be leaving for tomorrow or Saturday, Sunday. And uh, Jazz Cruise has been canceled this year. So, uh, wow. yeah, things are in a reset right now. So, uh, you know, we're hoping we'll come out of it sooner than, of course, we did the last one. But uh, got to stay safe, man. Yeah. Have you, so, so you stayed safe? You've avoided the uh, COVID? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky, man. I've, I've, uh, I've not had COVID. Uh, I've been getting tested 
when necessary. And uh, so knock on wood, you know, just um, trying to pretty much stay to myself, <laughs> you know, until the dust settles. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got, my, my family got hit. We got hit with it, um, I guess, around New Year's. Oh, man. Or maybe maybe a little bit. Or actually, it was Christmas, right? Christmas, Christmas night, the day after. Mm. The family had a lot of, a lot of, most of the friends I know, especially fam with kids, they've gotten it. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's just, for the most part, it was just a, a day or two thing from, for my wife and kids. For me, it kind of, it kind of took on like a, a long lasting cold mm. that, I, that I'm still kind of, you know, I still feel kind of the res the residual effects from. So hopefully, you know, it's, it's, it's wild, man. This, this, this COVID thing is wild. And, you know, everybody, wow. everybody needs to stay safe, keep the mask on and, uh, you know, hope for the best. Well, glad you and your family. Okay, man. Glad you made it through it. No, thank you. Yeah. I think yeah. all of us know someone has gotten, gotten it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm out here teaching, and uh, you know, I was in a classroom, and uh, you know, all the students, you know, about eight of them, were masked up. There are eight more on 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 um, Zoom. So, and out here, you know, they got these these saliva kits, mm. and I've gotten tested. I tested on a Monday. Got my results, and then tested on Wednesday. Got my results, and I'm probably going to go back again uh, as soon as we finish this broadcast. Test again. Uh, only problem with this stuff: if you don't get it immediately, you know, when you get your results, you can be negative, but it, they'll just say you were negative when you took it. Right. You know, which which happened to me. Uh, I think the, the day I was the sickest where I had a slight fever and uh, you know, sore throat kind of thing. And I was, you know, laying, I was kind of laid up at the lay down. I took, that's the first time I, that's the first time I took the, the home test and it, it came up negative. So I was, I thought it was <laughs> something else. And then a couple of days later, every, uh, my wife got sick, the kids, uh, my wife got sick, she tested, she was positive. She tested the kids, they were positive. So I was like, wait a second. So I tested myself again and I was positive. Mm. That was a couple of days later. So yeah, this this thing, man, you know, and they say that's pretty normal that that the home tests, they might, they might miss it the first time. So you're supposed to test a couple of days later. But you know, who knows, man? This thing is so confusing and you know, and like Bill, like you, you always say, nobody really knows anything. Yeah. No, I mean it's frightening. And then everybody's saying stuff. And it's just what you heard. You know, <laughs> right. you know, I heard two songs. If you bang on the trash can 12 times, you know, then you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. 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 This thing is way ahead of us, man. It's way yeah. ahead of us. Yeah. But one thing that's not changed is uh, NFL black coaches. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we're now down to one. And, we talked about this on the show before, and it kind of is bizarre, man. I'm sitting up here wondering what to write. I was talking to a friend of mine, Jared Bell, who writes for USA Today. And we said, we go back and to like look at our columns in 1995, and it was the same column, you know, <laughs> right. different people. 
different people, but the same, the exact same story. You know, uh, sometimes you get up to as many as four. Five, then it goes down to two. It goes, you know, and uh, it's like being on a merry-go-round. What, what did y'all think about that? What did you think about the firing of, uh, what's the name, uh, down in Miami? Flores. Yeah. Flores, Miami. And then they turn around and as insult to injury by firing Cully at Houston. Yeah. I mean, the Flores one, I was very surprised. Um, full disclosure, he, he, went to, he went to my high school poly prep uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's from Brooklyn. Um, I knew, you know, when he was one in seven this year, obviously they got off to a tough start. So when he was one in seven this year, I was like, oh, oh you know, he, he might be in trouble. But then to turn it around and have your team win seven out of their eight games and finish with a winning record. Now, you finish with a winning record after starting one and seven. I think that in itself, you know, should put you in the untouchable category for, for that year. I mean, if, to me, if, if you're a good enough coach to, to pull your team up from that kind of start, then you, then you have something going for you. You know, to me, that, just, that alone kind of shows me that, that you are a good coach. Um, so I was very surprised that, that, you know, coming off of the, the, the great second half of the season that they had, they seemed to be moving in the right direction. Remember, they were 10 and 6 last season. He was 10 and 6 last season. So um, coming off those two years and then to get fired, that, that was shocking. Um, but, you know, from what you hear, there was, there was some sort of tension between him and the GM. Uh, who's a brother? Yeah, Chris Greer. Yeah, Chris Greer, black. You know, I think he might be the he might be one of one of the two black GMs in the league. I think. I think there's one in Cleveland, but the point is, yeah. it's black on black crime. Yeah, it was a little black on black crime there, you know. And you know how it is. It's always tough for for you know it, that you know black people got to try to look out for themselves in this society. Oftentimes, so you, you never know if 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 your fellow brother is really your brother in these right. situations. Um, so, you know, that, that might've had something to do, you know, uh, personality, uh, personality not meshing as far as that goes. So we don't know what went on behind the scenes, but regardless, that's another black coach who did, and, and a, a proven good coach, in my opinion, uh, that is no longer, you know, coaching on the sidelines and you have, and then remember, this is from, uh, Steven Ross is the owner, uh, with Miami. And, and remember, he's the person who, who started what rise is it yeah you know right. uh who you know which is an organization supposedly trying to empower black people in sports or through sports just so, not, just not his organization exactly just not his own organization so i mean there's so much to that as far as uh david cully with houston i mean that was you know we i think we all we all understood from the beginning that he was kind of a placeholder there you know, right. he, he was kind of an kind of an afterthought uh, hire when it happened. Um, but the thing is, he kind of he overachieved. Like I think I think we all thought he'd be you know one in sixteen or you know something like that. And he actually won some games he wasn't supposed to win, so he overachieved there. So that's the only reason why I think you know it's give it gives people pause that they would fire him like that. But again, that's two that's two black coaches uh, that were that were just let go and they both had pretty, you know, successful seasons. Yeah. You nailed it. You nailed it, Murph. That, that, that's in a nutshell. 
what do you think is the answer? I mean, these guys are multi-billionaires who clearly don't listen to, you know, anything or anybody. They're going to continue to do the same thing. The Giants, you know, you can't have a black coach, but they keep firing, hiring these mediocre white guys. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, each other, well, you know, we just not going to hire anybody. And then they go around and hire anybody. It, it just seems like you're pushing up against this granite wall. Yeah, well, you know, there's there's the old double standard, though, that, that's so blatant, and it, particularly in the case of Flores, um, you know, because he was building something there. And um, and you and you look at the percentage of of white coaches and even less qualified white coaches historically and currently who get these second and third chances and fourth chances. You know, in some cases they have a losing record with multiple teams and then they get rehired, <laughs> you know. So it, it certainly speaks to a, a, the existence of the good old boy network, you know. Um, but, you know, I wonder at what point do the players start to speak up? When do the players, because we have a league that's what, I, I, I can't remember the exact percentage, but over two-thirds African-American. And at what players? At what point do these players say, "Hey, look, as a block, we need to speak up and say things must change. Things have to change now. You know, later for the window dressing, later for the platitudes. You know, this this toothless Rooney rule um, is not working, and we need to see and we demand to see change now. Honest change, and and uh, we we know that that most of them are are not in the positions of power." Um, you know, especially with the rank and file players in terms of those who are not the superstars or franchise players, but still as a block, they need to speak up. And even if it was just a, a, a block of the, you know, superstar players, you know, you get 10, 20, 30 of these guys, you know, to speak up and say, no, we're not accepting this anymore. You have to change it, you know. So, but yeah, you begin to, at what point do they speak up? Right. Well, that's the thing too, but you know, we, we talk about how nothing has changed as far as coaches, black coaches in the NFL and you know, there's one, two, and then they, you know, they get fired and uh, less qualified white coaches hired every day, it seems. But also we've been talking about forever, when are, when are the players gonna speak up, right? That's, always, that's something we've always been asking also. And that that hasn't happened. And when it does happen, when it, when there are the one or two times that it has happened, we see what they do to people like Kaepernick. They they stomp you out. You know, they basically stomp you out of the league. And we haven't really even dealt with that. We haven't dealt with uh, how how Kaepernick was treated. So, I mean, to me, you know, I just look at this. I mean, it's so it's so blatant. Like you said, the racism here. There. Are, the NFL, and it reminds me of the Republican Party, but I guess it is the Republican Party. It is the Republican Party. Right. So it is the Republican Party. And if you just, you look at how they, how they uh, conduct themselves as far as race is concerned, their race, their racism is blatant and defiant. Like they do not care. And it's almost like they, they're, they're, they're painstakingly racist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you would think in this in this in this uh, environment and and the time that we're in now that that they would be sensitive to firing, uh, you know, two black coaches right now. 
You would you would just think you know we you know, maybe they would think twice about it in terms of uh, you know PR or or whatever, and, but they do not care, uh-uh. and then and, and maybe it goes beyond not caring. Maybe they just w- want to continue to show us that uh-huh. they don't that they don't give a shit about us. Well, and you know <clears throat> we've talked about this before. I've written about it before, but you hear nothing from players as a, as a collective. The league is more than 69% made of black players. Uh, but and I say this repeatedly, uh, the players basically just keep the mouth shut. You know, the Morris Smith, the, the president or the executive director of the NFLPA does not do anything to rally the troops, you know, but that's the only leverage I think that you've got uh, for the players to basically uh, embarrass the owners. And this is when they should kneel. This is when they should have some type of demonstration. You know, but, but I get it that, you know, these guys are powerful guys. And a lot of these guys are making money for the first time in their lives. They got families and all that. And they don't want to lose it, which I, I, I understand. But that's the only leverage they've got. Well, I, I say... To, to the listeners, if they haven't read $40 million slaves, <laughs> it's always relevant, man. You know, this this is a classic, this is it. This is this is the exact point, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I it well of course we'll see what happens in this hiring cycle. Uh, right. you know, because last time it was so blatant, man. And uh like you said, you know, what the Texans did with Cully, I mean we knew that was window dressing. Right. And and, it's, and also as a diversion to what was happening with with Watson, with the right. Watson, and, and you know, so and we see we're, they're basically doing to Watson what they uh, what they did with with Kaepernick. Yeah, they're trying they're trying to ruin his career. That, yeah. That's what they're doing. I mean, think about it. Twenty two, twenty two. There, I mean, twenty two, man. That <laughs> that would make him a sociopath. I mean, twenty two. Right. <laughs> Come on, man. Right. You mean you mean you mean women that that came? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I right. mean, I mean, yeah. It's and, and the and timing all, of it, and the timing, and then all of a sudden, twenty-two. I mean, you would think that okay, if it was twenty-two, you would think that at least five or six would have said something beforehand. Right. But they dug they dug up twenty-two women, man. I mean, come on. And they all go to the same attorney, right? Right. Who had who had some sort of affiliation, right? With uh, exactly. With the Exactly. It smells funny all the way up and down. So, but, but we see systematically what is going on here and this coaching thing is an extension of that. Now you mentioned the hiring cycle. So we have, you know, when Flores was let go, you got, you know, Adam Schefter and and different reporters reporting that uh, Flores is going to be in high demand um, in this coaching cycle, but we've heard stuff like that before. So you cannot, I got yeah. You have to see it. I mean, what, what's up with what's up with Bienemy? He's been supposed to get a job for, for three or four years now. Is he going to get an opportunity? You got Leftwich. Uh, you know, you all of a sudden you hear he's in high demand. But I mean, like I said, it's, it's the it's the Republican Party. You know, like how many how many black senators? Uh, you know, how many black people, you know, senators or congressmen, in, are, are in uh, are Republicans? You know, same thing. Like two. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty yeah. deep. Yeah, it's, it's deep, man. And again, you know, how do you 
combat this stuff. And, and uh, I could only think of players, you know, uh, doing some type of demonstration, but it's got to be collective. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, like Dak Prescott, mm. you know, but um, I don't think they, you know, again, it's a lot of risk. And, uh, and I think face it, man, most of these guys have played for white coaches. Most of those guys in college have played for white coaches. Most of the black players in the NFL have not played for black coaches, you know, unless they came to an HBCU. But so, you know, it could be, a, there's a sort of brainwashing to the white man's ice is colder, right. you know, white people are supposed to be in charge. And you don't see how this reflects, how this affects you. Right. Because, you know, what they're saying that when you get finished playing, there's no room for you either. Right. You know. Right. Right. So, and, that, you know, and it reminds me of, you know, I talked, you know, when I did a story on on the college uh, basketball coaches. This is a year or so ago. Um, but prior to when they had the, the whole uh, coaching hiring surge after George Floyd. Uh, but I remember I was talking to some, some uh, women's basketball coaches. And one of them told me that, you know, it's just, it's, it goes back to that. Like it's, it's just total disrespect to, to the person who has put their entire life into the game, right? Most, all these people have played the game, in this case, football. Uh, they played the game since they were kids. Uh, the league, college uses them up. NFL uses them up athletically. And then when it's time to become a coach after you put all those years in, they toss you to the side. You know, they say no, you know, so they, they basically in, invalidate your entire life up to that point. You know, you, they're just, you, they just use you up for your playing ability. Meanwhile, if you're a, if you're a white ex player or, or coach, I mean, a white ex player, you know, the path to being a coach is, you know, can move pretty fast. Yeah. So, but yet, and still, nobody has calls them to boycott the playoffs, right? <laughs> You're right there Saturday night, you know, right there eating chicken wings and popcorn, you know? <laughs> right. You know? I guess that's the problem. So, I guess it's, I, I don't know, man. It's, uh, you know, uh, they're really thinking, you know, if you go back a couple of days when Georgia beat Alabama, right? a friend of mine who's a Georgia fan, and I was saying, man, hard to watch this, because you know, Half those people cheering for Georgia are are the same people involved in the non-voting rights, you know, in the in in the voter suppression, right? Probably favoring it, uh, you know, and it's just remarkable that you know it just shows, I guess, the thinking of how a group of white people can watch a team of nearly all black Georgia players and cheer for them, but probably in their voting. Uh, lives are doing things that are antithetic to black game, you know? So I'm wondering, how do you guys, you must not see them as black people. You must see it as bulldogs or something. You, you don't see them, you don't see it as a, as black kids or representing black people, something else. But it is, it is just continues to be remarkable. And you look at look at the one black coach that that that's remaining. Might be the best coach in the game. You know, it's probably a top three 
you know, accomplishment wise, coaching the coaching the game. And, and that's just so that's the only guy that can withstand the, you know, the, the pressure, you know, that, that can that can that live up to the standard that they that a black person would need to to be a long term coach. You have to be you have to have not had a losing season in how many years, 12 years or something like that. And also the, the organization came up with a Rooney rule. Right, right. So in many ways, they're like, well, we can't fire. I mean, you know, we can't. <laughs> how are they going to look? Like, we, you know. Right. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if it's Mike's place to say something, uh, but publicly, you know, I haven't seen anything from, uh, from Tomlin. And again, it's just words. I don't know if there's anything he could say that would change anything, you know, except the other billionaires talk about, they call Rooney up, man, you better keep them Negroes, you better keep them Negroes in line, you know. <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, it's bizarre. Um, speaking, what, what do you guys think before we leave the NFL? And it's a contradiction. Uh, what do you guys think of the season? Uh, the season finished, hook or crook, teams leaving COVID, but the NFL's basically, we're going we're gonna to finish this bad boy. You know, we don't care, you know, we, we have to move games around. We don't care. Again, it gets that we don't care. It's not that's not morality. Hell, it's about money. That's our highest value is money. So having said that, what do you guys think of the playoffs? <laughs> oh boy. No, you're you're right, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the last month or so, not just the last, but the whole season, I mean, there, there's so many COVID breakouts on the teams right. and organizations. And there was never any thought of pausing things mm -hmm. like before, you know. Like you said, well, was, well, we'll just reschedule the game. Yeah. And, um, but you you know, looking at some of those games or, or most of them, not, if not all of them, you also think about, well, what about all of the fans in, in, in the stands? You know, because as far as I've seen, now I may be wrong about this, but I know I looked up a couple of stadiums, I think like Tennessee. I didn't see any mask rules. No mask. No, no mask rules. <laughs> you know, you see these people out there, and I'm thinking, man, look, there's no way I would be attending a game uh, in, in the middle of this pandemic right now, even that, you know, even though we're in a better place than we were a year ago, but still, um, it's not enough to let your guard down. So, it seems that the league was just all in, like you said, going ahead. They weren't, they were determined not to lose any more money. You know, we know there's a lot of TV money and, and uh, you know, going to London and, I mean, the whole thing, man. I mean, it was like full steam ahead, you know. But it just shows you, like, well, it's all about that bottom line. Forget about the players and the safety. Forget about their families that they got to go home to. You know, forget about the, 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 the kids, uh, the schools that their kids go to school to, you know, and the teachers that contact. It, 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 all of that was out the window. Forget it, you know. So it, it really speaks to where they're, where they're at, man. Right. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that transcends all the sports, at least in America. And I was talking to Bill before we got on about this. You know, even you look at the NBA, you know, same thing. The NBA... Um, still fans in the stands. Some some uh, arenas have mask, ma not mandates. Some some arenas uh, will suggest or you know say that we we want you to to wear a mask the entire game. But I don't think there's an actual rule about 
Um, but then you look over when when Toronto plays in or can or even in, in the NHL and they're playing in front of no fans. But you know, so what what's the difference there? Like what what do does Canada do they care more about their people? Do they care less about money? Like what we do, do we care that much about money? that that I know we do. I think that's the answer. I think <laughs> yeah. you know America is the land, you know, the land of capitalism. <laughs> and we are it. and I think you don't see you don't that doesn't you don't see that any clearer than through through the sports prism in America. Absolutely. This thing does not stop. And no, look in the stand. Look at look at the stands. We're not we're not slowing down any of this stuff if we don't if pack we don't, them, pack them in. have to. They, they, they look just like your background. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no difference. There's no difference from, you know, I'm sure if you look at games five years ago, pre-pandemic, and the, the crowds are the same. You might see a couple masks now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just wondering, you go back to the NFL, <clears throat> I've not heard stories about breakouts, you know, because surely with all those fans at these games, Surely there had to be some type of breakout, you know. But you, you know, but you didn't hear about it. I don't know how you hear about it. But some people had to contract the virus. There's no way. I mean, I was I was at the Nets game yes last night, and I'm looking around. Half the people don't have masks on, and I'm like, there's to me, there's no way. That if you, if, in my opinion, if, if you're at the Nets game or any of these games and you're not wearing a mask, there's no way you're not catching it. I don't, I wasn't going anywhere. Okay. I wasn't going anywhere. I was in the house. I went to the store a couple of times with the mask on, with the, you know, N95 mask on every time I went to the store and I contracted it. I'm like, what is this thing in the air? So there's no right. way you can go to an enclosed space with people yelling and screaming and you're not going to catch it. I just, I just, unless, unless your body just, you know, it's not, unless you just weren't meant to catch it. Right. right. Yeah, man. And then, you know, you look at Kyrie Irving <laughs> and how the NBA makes these exceptions. Just like tennis is trying to make an exception for Djokovic. You know, Aaron and how NFL made an exception for Aaron Rodgers. Right. You know. Yeah, and Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz. He got what he deserved. <laughs> a, a horrible performance. Yeah. What do you what do you think? What do you think about the Nets doing that? The uh allowing allowing Kyrie to play um away games. Uh, originally, you know, when he when he when he refused to get the vaccine, uh the Nets said, Well, you know, if you're not with us full time, then then we don't want you around the team at all. Then the Nets, of course, going through all this COVID stuff, losing guys uh, and not playing well, by the way. Uh, and then they get to the point where, oh, okay, Kyrie, we'll let you play uh, on the road. You I mean, that is, that is, it's not like it's an NBA rule. You can't play at all. So we're going to just follow the regular NBA rules now and let you play half the time. What, what did you think about, think about that when that happened? It was nuts. You know, even I saw when he played Chicago yeah. and I thought Chicago was pretty strict. You know, if you're not vaccinated, and uh, you know, again, it's the same thing, man. It's like I think what people say: just live with it. That's where we are now. Right. Just, just live with it. Right. You know, and let the chips fall where they may. But we cannot afford an economic shutdown. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. We can afford to lose people, 
Right. We can't afford an economic shutdown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's about that, again, about that bottom line. But that also, uh, you know, in the context of, you know, mentioned about uh, Djokovic, and it looks like Australia is going to kick him out of there. I hope they do. But but it, it also speaks to, you know, the big class divide, you know, because what, what these uh, sports organizations are saying to the to the paying fans, you don't matter. Right. You do not matter. We want your money, but everything else, you don't matter. We don't care that your family members are sick or died or what the country's been through, that they're, as we speak, they're our frontline workers who are wiped out. We don't care. We have this athlete, and um, he's chosen for whatever reason not to get vaxxed to protect himself and everyone else. We're going to bring him in. And we'll let the chips fall where they may because we need to win this championship so we can right. increase increase the value of our brand. That's what right. it's about. And I'll That's say exactly what it's about. And I'll say this for the for the Nets. I mean, I don't think they ever pretended uh that it was anything besides that. Remember that when when they first when they first told him that he they didn't want him playing half the games, they didn't they didn't take some moral stance and say, listen, if he's not if you're not vaxxed, you're not with us. It was more about we don't know how that will affect the team. You know, it's more like it was more about you know we we've never seen that before. One guy plays half the games, and and you know it was more like if you if you're with us, you're with us. If you're not, you're not. So I think a lot of when the Nets decided to not let him play, I think other people who had who were who were on moral high grounds, they they looked at the Nets like thank you, and they they adopted the Nets like oh yes, the Nets are the Nets are doing the right thing and. And they're be they're they care about science, but what it really was never about that. It was just never about, about it was always about basketball and what was best for the team. And at that particular point, they felt it was best for the team that he didn't play just half the games. Right. That's right. <laughs> and now there's talk about them going ahead and paying the fine oh, so that he can play at home. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, saw that. Yeah, saw that. Okay, that makes sense, sure. And the fine's like $5,000 per game. Right, right. We're already paying him 30 mil. Hey, what's another, you know, uh, 100,000 to us? Right. You know, I mean, so it just speaks to that that whole mindset, man. It's, it's a classism thing, you know? Man. Yeah, and I think, I think even with the, I've, I've been saying this for a while, I think it's a class issue, even in terms, in terms of who's getting the vaccine and who's not. Um, you know, people sometimes try to break it down in race, but I, to, I haven't even seen statistics, you know, like college educated and, uh, you know, post-college educated of the, and, and money and, and, the, and your, the amount of money you make is, you know, correlates with those who, who have the vaccine, you know, and it's really the, the less educated and, and the less wealthy are more likely not to have gotten the vaccine. Um, and I think, you know, those, you know, the people on the bottom of society are getting taken advantage of from all sides, really, you know? So it's really, it's just really sad and it, but it's, uh, it's America, right? It's, it's not, it shouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah. So, so Steve, what, what's, again, you know, what's sort of on the jazz scene? Uh, is it going to be pretty much locked down again? I know you mentioned Vanguard, uh, the cruisers, and all that. Do you think we're going back to where it was last year? All indications are for now that it is not. Um, 
it won't be an across the board pause. I think it'll be venue to venue. Um, because actually, even in New York, some of the smaller venues like Smalls and Mesro, which are, you know, um, they're a little, well, you talked about Maureen's and Nyack. I know that they paused because they had a breakout in the staff. So they did. Pause. Oh, really? Yeah, they bought the pause for a week or two. I think they're operational again now. I'm not sure if they're distancing or limited capacity or what, but a couple of the other venues in town, like uh, Smalls and Mesro, which are even smaller than Maureen's, um, uh, they've been going. They didn't stop. And they, as far as I know, they didn't do uh, uh, limited capacity or spacing. I mean, you can't, you can't really space for so much in those places anyway. So, and as a matter of fact, um, uh, I, I got a, had a couple of calls to play in one of these places. I, I couldn't, uh, but I was thinking to myself, man, and this was when the Omicron had broken out. I was like, uh, you know, even if I was available, I don't think that would, would have been the time, right. you know, and I'm, and I'm like boosted. Right. But, you know, I had like most of us had friends and family members who were going through it. And I'm like, no, man, I can't take that chance. So. Uh, but yeah, it, I think that overall, um, we will not see everything shut down, of course, unless we go into another major wave that, you know, that I guess we can't really can't handle, uh, if it goes beyond this Omicron or Delta thing. Um, but, uh, I think it's, it's, it won't be a total shutdown. There's no indication. I hope not. That. No. You know, uh, but I, I say I hope not, but then, you know, do you want to risk Particularly, you know, we talk about the clubs where they're just packing people in. And I thought <clears throat> I thought that when it reopened last time, they might spread people out. And no, you know, <laughs> same thing, man. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like, you know, when we did Marines, and of course this was just before Omicron uh had kicked in. I mean Omicron wasn't even on the radar then. Um and most venues were being pretty strict about, uh, you know, showing proof of vax and all of that. So to their credit, you know, but Omicron just sort of wiped that out because Omicron yeah. says, hey, look, you can be boosted, but I'm still going to get you. Right. <laughs> so, so, so these places had to regroup and say, you know what, let's chill for a minute. Which is interesting, too, going back to even the sports uh, venues, they're still operating off off of the ones that that have some sort of uh, mandate that you show proof of vaccination, even that is outdated, right? right? As you said, because it doesn't matter. Like just because I I could have like literally, I could have been, you know, I tested positive around Christmas. I could have literally, if I wanted to, gone to the game a day later, and so and just shown, oh, I'm vaccinated. Knowing wow. I have it, you know what I'm saying? Like right. that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like that that proof of vaccination at this point doesn't mean anything anymore because you could right. you could know you have it, and you just want to watch a basketball game, and go so hey, want to see my vaccination card? <laughs> here, here you go. Yeah, the people, you walk right people, in. Yeah, they, I mean, what are they going to look at? They're going to look at scan you with a spectrum laser thing. They just look at okay, fine, go, yeah, go. Maybe they go. need to. They, the right thing to do would be to test to test everybody before you come in. <laughs> and even that wouldn't be foolproof, right? Because we, like I said, you, you might be, it might show as negative now and then two days later, you know what I mean? So I don't know, man. 
Yeah, I, you know what? I don't think we're going to be there, man, until we get one of those Star Trek tricoders, you know, <laughs> with scans your molecules. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Oh. exactly. Like a body scan. Right. They show all the purple shit all over it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this motherfucker, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's an alien. Green <laughs> 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 <Like> shit, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, it. Man. That's where we're at, man. Uh, <laughs> something, man. Who would have thought, man? Yeah. Uh, so what, what do you guys think of that? What do you guys think of Djokovic? Uh, Jer Jerkovic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joker, yeah. Well, the joke's on him now. Okay. And and I'm, I'm, I'm personally am glad to see Australia take its stand. I hope they don't cave in and let him in because of, you know, what, those people went through down there, man. They had a 260-day lockdown. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? Oh. And then they let somebody come in now and say, "Well, hey, that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm the man. I'm about to set this record. I'm rich, right? And uh, I'm among the best ever was. So I have a God-given right to be let in, right? Yeah, and I, yeah, and I agree. I think I think the fact that he's a jerk is what really got him in trouble with this because. When he 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 basically bragged, you know, he posted a picture on Instagram, and the caption was all about, "Oh, I'm headed to Australia, even though I don't have the vaccine, uh, but I I got my exemption." Like he was bragging about it, and that that got everybody's attention, you know. So people were like, "Wait a second, Australians got pissed." They were like, "Wait a second, you know, we were all locked down for 260 days. You're just letting this guy prance in." So there was some backlash. They get they get the they get it revoked, then it's then he gets it back, and then they revoke it again. So we'll see if if he really is, is not allowed to play or not. Uh, hopefully, Australia is doing the right thing. Um, but I, I tell you this: if it was, if it was the U.S. Open, he'd be playing. Oh, oh you kidding me? He'd be here. <laughs> we don't care. All right, out here here in America, we don't. Care. That's right. You're absolutely right. He would be here. Wouldn't even be an issue. Yeah, they want they want to put those asses in the seats, man. Oh, That's what it's all about, you know. But but some of the players have started to speak up right. in in the open, and they've said, no, we don't want him. If he's not vaxxed, he can't play. So because they're saying, hey, well, look, we've done everything that was asked of us to do to be able to be in this tournament, and now you're gonna let this guy skirt the rules? Not cool, you know. So yeah, I think yeah, well, yeah, we are because you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting to see that too because it's about principle and and which is a totally lacking here right. that this shit here is not about principle at all you know uh so have you guys been able to get your get your test get your uh um home test and all that home kits yeah i've got a couple of them and i guess i saw today that now they'll be available online starting next week with this new federal uh order by uh biden and uh, insurance is supposed to pay for it. So, I mean, we, we know that'll be messy. <laughs> Anything involving this insurance is going to be messy. Right. But, uh, but you know, at least they gave the green light, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, we, got, we have them here. Uh, you know, it was just my wife had a hookup through her job where they were, you could just you request them and they mail them to you. And that's, the, that's part of the problem, too. You know, all these, it's impossible to find them. But then I guess these big corporations are just hoarding them also. And just buying them up. Yeah, buying them up. So I think that's part of the problem. But, you know. Right. Well, look at, look at our man in Florida, DeSantis, who 
who had a million of them and he threw them away. Oh, <laughs> you know, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, Bill, I, I wanted to ask you, because, uh, you know, I texted you during the game, and uh, what's your thoughts on uh, on the Celebration Bowl? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, after I got past, you know, being in Atlanta during COVID. Uh, but I thought it was good, man. I was, uh, <clears throat> hey, I like the idea of the Celebration Bowl with two black conferences that, well, we're going to crown our own champion. Mm. I like that. And then I like South Carolina State because, you know, Jackson State kind of, I think they expected just to waltz through because of Dion and all that. And South Carolina just punished them, you know. Yeah, they just beat the hell out of them. So I thought it was good. It was a good game. It was a good performance by South Carolina State. Uh, and, you know, a couple of days earlier, Dion gets the top recruit. So, Good for Dion, uh, but I liked it. I, I like the idea. I've always liked <clears throat> the idea of the celebration ball. Yeah, you know, uh, basically, forget this one double A playoff stuff. We're gonna have these two black conferences, and we will crown our own champion. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I, I think that's cool. Now, the next step is to force the NFL to draft some of these kids. Right. You know, because that's the big. You know, that's another thing. Yeah. But are you going to draft some of these kids? Yeah. There's got to be, and that's what Dion was saying. One, you guys, at least you're telling us none of our kids are draft worthy? None? Right. Right. And all, you know, the other small schools, the small white schools, they, they find players there. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the, the size of the school, really. I mean, you should be, you can't tell me that the SWAC or the MEAC does not have one NFL prospect. That makes no sense. Right. Right. Now, I, I have to give Dion a lot of credit, man. I, I you know, I, I admit I was skeptical when he got hired, but I, you know, had an open mind. Uh, but I have to applaud him, man, for being an advocate for HBCUs and for, and for, for young talent you know, in the pipeline, not just in terms of trying to recruit them, but he's speaking up for all of the schools, man. He's speaking exactly. up for, for everybody. And and if he's using his platform to draw attention, and and not only just draw attention, but to advance the cause. I mean, he's put putting it where his mouth is because, you know, for most people who don't know, man, Jackson, Mississippi's been catching hell, you know, with the infrastructure, and they got a water problem, and you know, they got all kinds of problems in Jackson, Mississippi. But you know, if it increases uh, the attention that the town is getting, that the colleges are getting, and and the talent is getting, he's and he, and he's bringing in other former NFL players, you know, uh, and personnel to to be a part of this cause, man. So I, I think he's in his first year, he's already made a huge impact, you know, for H HBCU football. And he continues to recruit. Not only did he get the the number one guy. Uh, in the country uh, prior to the Celebration Bowl, but he also uh, just recently picked up like the like a number four kid who was supposed to go to either Florida State or somewhere else. So he, you know, he's 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 bringing him in. We'll see we'll see how long it can last and if it translates to to the other schools. Yeah, and and his son Shadir, man, is a is a legitimate talent, man. This cat mm -hmm. is talented. So I think with another year in his belt, you know, he he should be an NFL prospect. 
Yeah, and and <clears throat> should uh, Dion get the benefit of the doubt? You know, uh, and I like the fact that he's going to make an issue out of it. Yeah, right. You know, because right. that's yeah, it's funny to a group of people who don't care, but they also don't like to get embarrassed, which is so bizarre about these people. You know, they hated black athletes kneeling and putting their fists up. That's what they really cared about. They cared about that, being embarrassed. You know, but they don't care about totally just disrespecting black coaches, which is why it gets back to, you know, if the players were acting unison and embarrass these guys, you know. Um, and again, I know it's sacrifice, but, you know, we there, you know, Dr. King's birthday is, uh, is actually uh, the, uh, uh, today, I think, right? The 15th. Is it today? Is it uh, tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of think about sacrifice to make things better. And uh, I wonder if we've lost that, particularly about black athletes who, you know, there was a time when they, they couldn't play football. You know, they couldn't forget, they couldn't be on a team because there were quotas and barriers. And, you know, now the league has got all these black players, but nobody wants to take any, you don't want to advocate, you know, to, to bust open the C-suite to, you know, let people know you're tired of this nepotism and cronyism in the NFL where everybody's hiring their boy and basically just telling you guys just to run and jump. You know, that's all you're good for. You know, while we get the glory and we get the, you know, yeah, you know, know, it's like they, they figured it they figured out all you have to do is you know what we can let it we can let it we can let them in and let them play and pay them pay them some scraps compared to what we actually make and that'll shut them up and it did and it did yeah all right gang so um, on that happy note before before we get out of here let me just let me give you my last my last edition my final edition oh yeah the uh, yeah, oh, yeah. The black, black quarterback rating QB rankings, the end of yeah, season. What do we finish with? Rankings. Uh, <laughs> all right, it's been a long season. You know, long season, COVID, all kind of stuff, uh, continued racism. Uh, but these these black quarterbacks uh, survived. Some of them prospered. Uh, do you want me? To, do you want me to start from the bottom or the top? Start from the top. All right. So number one. We we doubted this guy at the beginning of the season. He he hadn't been number one. I don't think he's been number one all all season really, as we've been doing these rankings. But come to come to the end of the season, the cream rose to the top, and it's, it's the guy that you would have ex expected to be there all season, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Um, he you know he takes the Chiefs. He gets them. I think the two seed in the in the AFC. He's fourth in yards uh, for the season. Fourth in TDs. Uh, tenth in uh, passer rating, so I mean, you know, he, he has he he uh, he has got the Chiefs back on top, and you know he showed and proved that that he is the man still at the quarterback position. Number two, another guy who's, who's had his ups and downs, uh, Dak Prescott. Uh, in the end, he was able to get the, the Cowboys where they needed to be. They won the NFC East. Uh, he won the big games he had to win to get them to this point so far. Uh, he's seventh in uh, in yards in the league. He's fourth. He's tied for fourth with Mahomes in TDs. He's fourth in completion percentage. He's third in passer rating. So by the numbers, he's probably ahead of Mahomes, 
but I had to give Mahomes that that nod because you know his team has been playing better towards the end of the season. Number three, Kyler Murray. Uh, he had some injuries that curtailed the season. Then, of course, uh, DeAndre Hopkins goes down, and he hasn't quite been the same quarterback since then. Uh, but he still ends the season uh, in good shape. They play the Rams this weekend in the playoffs. He's second in completion percentage in the league, eighth in passer rating in the league. Number four, Lamar Jackson. He had his season cut short, but prior to that, he was dominating, not with his arm, but mostly with his legs. He was doing just enough with his arm. Um, but, you know, as we talk about Lamar all the time, it's really beyond stats for Lamar. It's like, you know, the ultimate winner. Uh, remember, still to this point, Baltimore has not given him much to work with on the offensive side of the ball. You know, there's no way, no one can argue he has a number one receiver or anything close to it. He had three running backs. Three of the top running backs got hurt this year. So it was basically him by himself this year. And it kind of showed uh, he had to he had to take too much of the load and, and he, ended up, he ends up getting hurt for the season with uh, with a you know bum ankle. Number five, this was surprising. I don't think we would have we would have uh, predicted this, but I got Jalen. Yeah, I got Jalen Hurts. He got he got the Eagles into the playoffs. Um, passing wise, he's he's been pedestrian, but not bad. Um, I think 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions passing wise, but he's basically like a mini Lamar Jackson. You know, he's run for 784 yards and he has 10 rushing touchdowns. So you combine that with 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 the 16 uh, passing touchdowns. That's pretty impressive. Number six, Russell Wilson. I mean, numbers wise, 25 TDs, six interceptions. That's still pretty good. But, you know, he struggled. He got hurt uh, early in the season, could never really turn it around, uh, couldn't get the team into the playoffs. So that's why he's so low. Um, then I got, we got Tua Tago Viola. Um, he's, he's of color. He's been uh, better than people thought he would be uh, coming into this season. 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, but, you know, seventh in completion percentage. So he's been very accurate. Then, uh, then after that, you got Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, pulling up the rear, uh, well, not quite the rear, but pulling up the the rear in terms of guys who who really played enough games and 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 put up enough numbers. Bridgewater solid all season, eighteen TDs, seven interceptions. Couldn't get Denver into the playoffs. So there you have it. Uh, other guys who who did make some noise in either good or bad ways this year. Jameis Winston, of course, his his uh, season was cut short, but he was having a pretty solid season before that happened. Uh, Justin Fields is a rookie. Um, we expect big things from him next year, but he took his rookie uh, pounding this year. And then uh, Cam Newton. I don't know what to say about Cam this year. Uh, he was he was back, as he told us. Back. <laughs> I think that's the last celebration we saw out of Cam. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see what it, it you know if we see Cam again. I don't know. I'm not really sure. What about the kid in San Francisco? He may. Uh, yeah, Lance. Right, Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Uh, he didn't you know, play a lot. Yeah, he didn't play a lot. He got it. He got a couple starts in, um, and he actually did well in those in those few starts that he had. But you know, he was definitely a backup this season to Garoppolo, um, and we'll see if he gets some playing time in the playoff game against Dallas. Um, but yeah, Trey Lance next year. Him and Justin Fields. I, I think Trey Lance. They'll give him the keys next year, um, and, and him and Justin Fields will be in their second year, and, and they'll add to the to the number of black quarterbacks in the league. All right. Well, that was a good list. That's that's quite a number of people. Uh, there'll be uh, six 
Looking at five will possibly be in the playoffs. Yeah, one, two, three, four. I think we got four at the moment, right? Uh, four, oh, I'm sorry. If you add, if you, oh, you can add, and you add Trey Lance. That's five. Right, yeah. Hey, we're losing the guy. This has been uh, great. I want to go outside and bask in some of this heat. <laughs> yeah. Put it in a jar and bring it back to New York and just kind of let it go into my car. So. Oh, man. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, but listen, man, it was good having seen everybody in the new year. You know, hope everybody stays safe. Jamal, get better. Stay away from the damn burnt, you know, uh, the uh, Barclay Center, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the wrong yeah. way. That's the wrong place to go, brother. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got, I got pulled in by a friend. He's like, I hadn't seen it in a while. I was like, ah, you know, I'll just check out this game. But, uh, you know, I kept, I kept my mask on at all times. And, and you know, yeah, I'm you're to, like the I'm, only one of nineteen thousand people. And I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to have you know uh, extra immunity right now since I just, since I just had it, you know. So. Right. Right. Yeah, still, that's that's what that, that's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm Superman. You like Kyrie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, listen, man, you guys stay safe. Steve, stay safe. You know, uh, I'll be trying to see some of his music virtually. I guess they're going to go back to virtual. Probably. I, I would assume there'll be some of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. So we should look for that in the next couple of months anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not like being in person, though. No. No. Nothing can replace it, man. Yeah. All right, well, listen, you guys. Uh, Jamal, you want to tell people where they can subscribe to us? Yes. Uh, of course, to the listeners, thanks for listening. As always, keep listening to us wherever you get your podcasts. iHeartRadio, I Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. Uh, of course, continue to follow and interact with us on social media, at BrosPod on Twitter, at BrosPod on Instagram, and Bill Roden on Sports on Facebook. All right, everybody, I keep telling you every week, stay safe, he says, from Arizona State, you know. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. All right, y'all, stay safe, keep praying, God bless. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.